0: Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. One of the big conversations that's been going on across Alberta uh, in regards to drug use has to do with the topic of harm prevention and in particular has to do with supervised consumption sites. The current provincial government has seemed to make it very clear that they don't have a whole lot of love for supervised consumption sites. And one of the things that they've used to try to justify that uh, above and beyond creme brulee and other expensive foods is the notion that uh, businesses simply don't support having supervised consumption sites anywhere near them. We are extremely excited to have two people with us today who are here to Present perhaps a little bit of an alternate perspective um, so Habiba Shiiga thank you so much for joining us today
1: thank you for having us
0: yeah thanks for having us it's awesome to be here so before we get into the the, the heavier subject um, I'd just like to do a quick little introduction who are you guys uh, and what's your organization and how did you how did you come to be a part of it
1: Habiba would
0: you oh, like to sure? Yeah, I can go first. <laughs> so um my name's Habiba.
2: Um I'm a current student at the University of Calgary. And as part of my um degree requirements, I'm doing an internship and I got paired with each and every for the summer. And yeah, I'm I was super excited to hear about the initiative because I'd never heard about um how much support there was for safe can some exciting to kind of join each and every um as they were kind of like in the middle of it and to just kind of help them and see them grow all
0: right
1: yeah so I'm Shanika and I am an entrepreneur I have a company called Bessie and uh outside of that we have each and every and I'm one of the founding team members for it Uh, You asked how it came about, and I think that's probably the most interesting story. Bessie, along with uh, Raph Brew Labs, was chosen for a little event in Calgary called Launch Party. I hope I'm right. Yes, it is. I'm pretty sure it's right. (laughs) Uh, But it's basically where the city comes together to highlight up-and-coming, quickly-growing startups that are doing really cool things in the community, and we were given this amazing platform to talk about what's important to us. And Ewan, who's also a founding team member of each and every said, hey, a lot of people are gonna be looking at us. Maybe it's time that we draw attention to what's going on in our communities. And in our little pitch video saying that this is something that's important to us. And Bessie, so our company was the first to say yes. And a few other businesses said, yeah, we're in, we're game. (laughs) And from that little event that happened in the fall, we've grown into this organization that we have today.
0: Okay. And um... So tell me a little bit about what each and every is and what they do, Shanika, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, so we want to bring businesses together to uh, reduce preventable overdose deaths and build a more fair and compassionate community by adding our voices to the conversations around drug policy reform.
0: Okay, and to be clear, you guys do have a bunch of businesses that have—I uh, don't know if "signed up" is the the right term—but <laughs> but a bunch of businesses that are supporting the mm-hmm. idea of of harm reduction and supervised consumption sites. Is that is that accurate?
1: Yeah, Habiba. What was the number? I believe you're probably um, as of
2: this morning. We are currently at one hundred and twenty-one members across six provinces in Canada
1: that have signed up. Yeah. So the easiest thing is obviously for a business to sign up and we send them a little sticker and information yeah. on Naloxone and where they can get it so they can have it right in their business window and says, Hey, we you have a kit if you need it? Um, but our goal is to just get as many people educated on what's happening, especially the business community and get Naloxone kits in hands and help the conversation move in a better direction.
0: Now, when you say the conversation move in a better direction, yeah. I, I, I certainly have my my perspectives and biases, but I'd, I'd love to hear both of both of yours.
1: Habiba, would you
2: like us to go for it? Yes, because um, I think right now the attitude towards addiction as a whole is very blame. What's the proper word for Blamey. Like it's very much it's your fault. you that you have an addiction and safe consumption sites is just a part of harm reduction like harm reduction is definitely more than safe consumption sites it's about meeting people where they are and being compassionate and i feel like people like to ignore that aspect of it and focus on just safe consumption sites and even there's so many biases towards it safe consumption sites are definitely more than just giving people needles and kind of sending them on their way it's about you know, helping people get to where they are and it's also not just abstinence focused because for some people that's not the goal and for some people it's going to be a really long journey and harm reduction is all about empathy and just wanting a safer community basically and it would be amazing if the conversation was steered towards that idea more rather than um, you know Painting people as drug addicts and low lifes and all of that, when these are people that um, are literally right beside us in our community, and there's so many people that have been affected by this, and yeah, we just need to have, we just need to be more compassionate. For
1: sure. Yeah, okay. I don't know how I can add on to that, um, but <laughs> it, it, it's true. I, I think that the pandemic has brought a lot of things forward I think in a lot of our lives and just what are the values that are important to us and how we what matters just what matters and I I think the piece that at least I can definitely feel that I'm missing is my community and being able to go and see my friends and my family but also a person across the street that maybe I don't know so well so what Habiba saying about compassion is so 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 key and it's the piece that of the conversation that's happening right now, whether it's provincially or locally, that is missing. It's your, it has a tendency to dehumanize someone and we need to move away from that. Um, You know, we're in, I don't wanna say the final days, I suppose I'm hoping for (laughs) that a little bit with the pandemic and it doesn't change the fact that Albertans are dying every single day from the opioid crisis. So as one thing leaves, something that's always been there is still there and we need to address it.
0: Okay, um, I'm curious. What what is the general feeling, and particularly if I if we can focus on the the businesses that you have that have signed up in Alberta, um, what is the general feeling from those businesses in regards to supervised consumption sites, and in regards to uh, the the naloxone kits? Because one of the things that we've seen. Uh, A lot of from the the, the provincial government here in Alberta is the argument that, like I said at the beginning, companies are, are wholly against having any of these facilities or resources available in the areas that they operate in, and secondary to that... Uh, the idea that supervised consumption sites have a net negative impact on the communities, which is a little bit different from the statistics that I've seen. The, the information that I've seen and that we've had in other conversations with other guests is that they actually have a net negative uh, effect on the number of needles on the street. So they actually take in more needles than they hand out. Uh, and they do have very high diversion rates uh, towards, towards treatment. So what are the, what are the businesses? Like, is it, is it, do you have some business that is just, well, we'll get behind the Narcan, but that's really it. Uh, Or is it more of a widespread support for uh, harm reduction in general?
1: Yeah. um, I can speak from my experience as a business owner. Habiba, if you don't mind talking just about the conversations you're having, Um, but people care and that's, the thing that's missing in all the conversations and all the news reports that keep coming out that um, you know each and every has been gently calling out pretty publicly is that the businesses we're talking to want to be involved as soon as they hear about whether each and every or they see an article they're running to get naloxone from their pharmacies and getting trained immediately so it's, it goes beyond Narcan and they want safe consumption sites in their community I know that there was a protests, I wanna say a few weeks ago, um, near the Sheldon Schumer to keep that uh, location open. And there was tons of the business community there saying we want this open. And unfortunately the people that were interviewed were not part of the group that was actually there. So I, it's, uh, it's a very big misconception coming from the current government uh, that businesses don't wanna be involved in this. They, as a business owner, to succeed. I want a healthy community, right? Why wouldn't I want that? And that sentiment is shared by so many other businesses. Um, Habiba, who have you talked to recently?
2: I've been talking to a bunch of local um, counselors or people who are running. Nate was one of my favorite conversations. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite conversations. I learned so much, but um, from, we've talked to counselors from almost every single ward, I think. In Calgary, except for maybe two or three. And the general consensus is that we want safe consumption sites and we want multiples of them because mm-hmm. the counselors that I've spoken to, they, they've seen the statistics, they've seen the research, and they know it's like what Nate said, it's different from what certain um groups say or what certain people who are interviewed say, but safe consumption sites save lives they don't have a negative impact on the community and in the long run they do save money and that's generally what the feeling i get from the counselors i've spoken to and yeah like shanika said people care and we want our communities to be safe and we want people to thrive not just survive in those communities
0: okay um one of the one of the things that i've always sort of had a a difficult time wrapping my head around shanika and and as a business owner maybe you can help put put a point on it perhaps what's worse for a, a, a business owner in operating in the downtown core or operating in an area where one of these supervised consumption sites may or may not be is it is it worse to have people in the area using drugs at a supervised consumption site or is it is it worse to have to deal with a dead body in front of your place of business
1: oh that's a that's a very interesting question so full transparency prior to Diving into the ag tech food space. Um, I actually used to work at the Calgary Drop-in center. So directly in the homeless serving sector. And the consensus that I hear from the businesses we talk to is that no one wants to have someone pass away that's in their community. And um, because I think what people forget is that yes, it's devastating in so many ways, but it's it proves that our community is failing, that we are failing, and that also it's traumatic for people, um, and I think that that's the biggest piece. It's just that there's far more education that needs to happen. Uh, one thing, um, and then from the businesses I've talked to that are centered in downtown, from my previous experience and then also with each and every, is that they don't want anyone to lose their lives. That's never been the thing. No one would ever wants that. So how can we meet for where they're at and? Also, we're seeing the ramifications of when these safe consumption sites are closed. I think the best example is in Edmonton Boyle Street, just the amount of people that are passing away or the amount of overdoses are are so significantly high now because now that center is closed and the businesses are scrambling, trying to find ways to support their community in the best ways that they know how. And Obviously we're doing what we can, but it's a complex issue, but it's also just at the base of it a human issue. And again, I don't think anyone wants to deal with anyone passing away, especially when it's preventable.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm curious with your with your experience at the DI, um, what's your impression? I mean, the 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 provincial government has has made some announcements in regards to how they would like to structure supervised consumption sites going forward. Um yeah. And and one of the the big conversation topics has been the whole question of requiring ID. What's your immediate reaction to, to hearing that? What uh, <laughs> you want my immediate reaction? Or
1: my you know two hours later, went for a walk, <laughs> <laughs> had a
2: chance to calm down.
1: Yeah, yeah. A few Breaths. Um, it's it just doesn't make sense uh, frankly and it it proves just how disconnected they may be from what's actually going on within community there are so many barriers to accessing services um, as is and to add that additional barrier it it honestly harms people that are already so vulnerable and for me (laughs) I'm using my words very carefully uh, I don't understand it i don't understand it it's not something we should ever do um i know a lot of organizations in the city whether it's the di or the seed or half a of house are working really diligently to get people identification but we sh- it shouldn't be a barrier to getting support that uh, mm-hmm. yeah that, mm. <laughs> i i can say after working at the calgary drop-in center so intensely in the homeless serving sector it you can't it just doesn't make sense and it's so it's so horrible. And it, it, frankly, it's just such a backwards thing to say.
0: It's, it's one of the things that struck me as very odd uh, because my experience with the, the homeless and the houseless population is the, the overwhelming majority of them don't have ID with them. Uh, and when we're, when we're talking about people who are trying to access services like supervised consumption sites, it would seem to me uh, and please tell me if I'm wrong, um, but it would it would seem to me that the more barriers that you you put in place, the more likely the the person who needs to access those services is going to uh, either not try to access those services or try to access similar services through alternate less safe pathways. Am I am I completely off base there? Or?
1: <laughs> I
2: mean, that sounds right <laughs> because
0: that's what always happens when. There are so many
2: barriers to getting safe um, safe usage. Mm-hmm. People, you know, people give up because you, you don't have time, don't have energy, don't have money, you don't want to spend time going through all that red tape. So people are more likely to go through alternative, uh, alternative places where it's it, it probably isn't the most safest to use there or get supplies from there. And like Shanika said, it's very backwards. Not everyone has access to ID or a laptop or photo identification. And yeah. it's, it doesn't make sense to kind of ask people to provide things that not everyone has access to. That, that's like how I feel about that.
0: Okay. Um, if you could, uh, and I'm gonna ask this to question to each of you, if, if you could wave a magic wand and and initiate three things in regards to to dealing with the opioid crisis what would those three things for each of you be
1: that is so interesting and something I haven't thought of um Mm -hmm. one i would say more wraparound services so safe consumption plus and way more embedded it within community i think it's really important um and one thing that I wish we could all do is just wave a magic wand and have everyone educated on just what safe consumption is, what it actually means, why it's important. And then I would say something that is a bit of a additional piece of this ginormous puzzle is um, affordable housing um, is the other thing that comes to mind for me, at least.
0: Aviva?
2: Um. I think the first thing would be universal basic income. Because yeah, (laughs) income is like one of the most important social determinants of health. And when people have more than enough resources, things change for the better. Um, I think my second thing would also be educating people around what exactly safe consumption sites is and to reduce stigma. So yeah, that would be my two and my third one I don't know there's so many i'm kind of blanking. okay my third one would be also affordable housing
0: okay okay um the the ubi one is interesting that's one that certainly has been getting a lot of of air time lately um uh, there it seems like there are a lot of people who support the idea and it seems like there are some people that think that somebody who has a guaranteed income is just going to eat cheetos and watch netflix all day and some of those people are in elected office hooray um i'm curious uh, neither of you mentions uh safe supply
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so uh, one of the things that i've heard and i would lo- i'd really like to hear your thoughts on this one of the things that i've heard is one of the reasons why we've seen such an increase in overdoses over the last year and change because of the pandemic is because previously a lot of the opioids were coming from uh, places like China where they were manufactured in, in very high quality is the word that I find myself being drawn to uh, (laughs) labs and, and with those uh, import pathways no longer available. Now we're sort of doing the, the, the breaking bad style opiate, development. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing so many adverse uh, outcomes. What are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, when I say sort of safe consumption and the surrounding uh, support, I also mean safe supply. So we need it. Um, and uh, I, I know that Habiba has far more stories uh, than I do that she's heard through the grapevine from talking to so many community members. But we uh, just too many people are dying. And if they're going, people are going to use anything. And if we can keep them safe, then we need to do that. So safe supply is one of those many pieces that makes that happen. Okay. Yeah.
2: I think it's part of what Shanika said about that wraparound care. Okay. There's it's not just like a stop and go. It should be continuous from point A to Z. And safe supply is okay. definitely part of what I believe is harm reduction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay is Is there anything that you think that should be ruled out in regards to addressing the opioid crisis and the i mean it's it's there have been many people who have called it a public health crisis yeah Where, where's where's the the red line for you two I'm curious If there is one
1: uh, I don't know if I have one to be yeah. honest I, I think that we need to be uh innovative in our approaches, focus on the research and the science, do what we can there. If something's not working and we see that in the numbers, try something else. Mm -hmm. I think at the point that we, I mean, there are obviously hard lines with certain things. We don't want people to be harmed in any way, which is continuous thing that we're talking about here. Um, But no, like I'm open to any idea that comes from any person. Um, And as long as we're willing to try it, I think is the piece I I find that within political spheres, it's sometimes hard to move things along just because there's so much red tape. And that makes me nervous. I think as a business owner, you're just so used to being lean and getting things done. And if something doesn't work a week later, okay, you're like, okay, next thing. I wish we could be that rapid, but I don't have anything in particular that comes to mind. How about you, Um, I
2: don't think so either that i have cuz from what i've read in research articles it seems like things they've tried in regards to you know the needle program like giving people clean needles mm-hmm. it helps it stops people it stops people from using um needles that aren't sanitary and getting like you know certain diseases and stuff and i think as long as research is out there that's you know in the community Talking to people who use drugs and the results are saying, like, hey, this might work. I think I'll I'll always support harm reduction in all its forms. Unless, mm-hmm. like, you know, an article comes out saying that, oh, this one specific aspect of harm reduction is actually creating adverse outcomes. Yeah. Exactly. Then I would probably be like, yeah, let's let's change it up.
0: Okay. I'm curious has your organization one of the things that we've seen a lot over the last little while is businesses and corporations seem to go oh we want to be on the right side of history with this thing uh, and we've, we've certainly seen it on a lot of extremely polarizing controversial social issues um, and I'm curious I, I mean I just sitting here speaking only for myself if there was a business that i knew was publicly supporting supervised consumption sites and harm reduction and that whole continuum there i i would i would go and business with them um have 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 you seen any sort of or have you heard uh, or do you have any evidence anecdotal or otherwise that uh, businesses that have jumped on board with each and every have seen any kind of change in their their business model? <laughs> profit <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Shanika
1: um,
2: brought up something really cool today at our, um, yeah, our weekly meeting. So if you wanna.
1: Yeah, so uh, we have, so this is an Alberta base I'm happy to tell an Alberta story after. But there is, I want to say it's in Nova Scotia brewery that signed Yeah, it, it
2: was Halifax. Halifax,
1: there we it. go. And um, someone specifically went out to their brewery and bought their beer because they found out that they were part of each and every and were advocating for this and had naloxone on site and all those pieces. Um, in Alberta, I would say the biggest thing is when you build a business it's based on your one of the benefits I guess of having your own is that it's based on your values and um, I I don't think that I I say this lightly is that our at least on the bestie side our customers are incredibly supportive of the fact that we're doing everything we can within our community we haven't had any pushback um, from any person and I think that's fairly common amongst the other businesses that are going through this where they say especially the ones that are um, in the downtown core that have are kind of surrounded by vulnerable people. This is something that they say is important to them. And when you have those values, you're representing them, whether it's signing up for each and every, or in whichever ways you're showing it to the world, then you're going to get people that support you in that way. That doesn't mean you're not going to get people that don't like you. (laughs) That's just kind of part of putting yourself out there. But Um, I had a conversation with our team, I think last week or a few weeks ago, and it's people are dying. I can take some hate on something, or I can get an email from someone. It's fine. Like those things are easy to deal with, but if I can, and I'm sure the business, other businesses feel similarly, but if I can do what I can to make sure someone doesn't die, then I'm doing what I need to do for my community.
0: Okay. It, yeah, it seems to me that that's like a, that's a hard selling point to turn into a negative. Like it's, it, 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 I have a hard time. Oh, those guys don't want people to die. I'm not going to die. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: uh...
2: Like I agree with, um, what Shanik has just said, because recently I've also been talking to like um um a few of our members, and we have quite a few businesses around the Safeworks or the safe consumption sites at the Shamir. And I talked with one business owner in particular, and he was like, Yeah, like I see people, like I've heard of people dying. And when he saw that the safe consumption site was there. He was like, I have to support this. And it, it's it's not like he's, he's seen an increase in um, overdoses or needle debris. He said he's seen a decrease and it makes him feel um, happy that people are there using it in a safe way and people in his community aren't just dying right in front of his business or just in general.
1: Yeah, and I think what's um, devastating, I feel like at this point is that likely most of us have been impacted um, by the opioid crisis, we've lost loved ones, whether it's friends, family, or uh, whomever, a neighbor. So it, it, again, just comes back to humanizing it. yes, for business owners, and yes, there is this idea that somehow, with capitalism, you can't care about everyone else. But I think we're doing a good job with each and every on turning that idea on its head.
0: Okay. I think that what, what you just said there, Habiba, is really important to highlight because it seems like to me, uh, there has been an incredibly aggressive marketing campaign, for lack of a better term, from ideologically driven people to, to present the perception that there are no businesses in the core that support supervised consumption sites and everybody's against it. Um, and the fact that you're having conversations with business owners who are grateful and have seen the positive impact, I think is a story that needs to get told much, much more effectively and much more loudly. Because uh, the, that's, a, that's a critical piece for people to understand to me. Um, do you guys have, is, does each and every have any sort of plans to um, do more education stuffs?
1: yeah so i would say uh people may not know this but we're working in the background a lot i know habiba alluded to it um just whether it's locally or provincially there's that piece um but we i know habiba i guess like on a more surface level you're working on a resources page yeah so I'm on.
2: working on a resources page with you um, which who's um, one of our co-founders at each and every and basically we're going to create a resource page and an infographic and kind of give it to counselors who do support harm reduction and it's going to have like key messages it's going to have like um, rebuttal points for um, some stuff that people usually say against safe consumption sites like for example um, if we have a lot of safe consumption sites drug overdoses will increase. And then I give them kind of like articles saying, no, that's actually not true. This is what happens when there are multiple safe consumption sites. And we're hoping to get that out hopefully by the end of the month um, in preparation for, you know, um, counselors who are campaigning and the election coming up. And
1: We're also hoping to get some funding specifically to have someone that can go out to these businesses and train them if they cannot go elsewhere. Yeah. We understand that, you know, a lot of these solopreneurs are by themselves. So how can we empower them um, in the best ways that we can?
0: Okay. I'm curious. Do you have one of the 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 examples that gets very often held up in regards to the arguments against supervised consumption sites is uh, East Hastings. Um, And so I'm curious if you have, and I mean, it's the, the whole East Hastings thing is incredibly frustrating for me when people use it as an example for, for supervised consumption sites being bad because the, the root of so many of the problems of, of, East Hastings comes back to the fact that there were a boatload of mental health hospitals that were simply closed and they used these Hastings as a dumping ground for people who were exceptionally vulnerable and suffering from mental health issues. So I don't think you can separate that from uh, what's going on there and what has gone on there historically. Do you guys have any businesses who are, are supporting uh, each and every in East Hastings?
2: I mean, would you? Yeah, I- not, Like we have, a, and we have, I think four businesses. We have Discovery Coffee. We also have um, Whistleboy Brewing, which is there by like the Victoria and Vancouver area. But I'm okay. not too sure if we have one specifically in that East Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's,
0: yeah. Okay. Well. Um, yeah, it's uh, a- again the reason why I ask is just because East Hastings has been so gratuitously misrepresented. Um, uh, and I would be curious to see what the, and there's not a whole lot of businesses that are operating down there just because things are, are so bad. There's that stigma,
2: I think, yeah. that kind of yeah. makes yeah. business owners move away from yeah. these tastings.
0: Yeah, there's there's no shortage of, of entrepreneurs, I'll say down there, but uh, not in a good way. Um, just to, to sort of, what are, what are the, the key things that you would like people to know about uh, each and every and the, the work that you guys are trying to do? And where would you recommend people who want to, to learn more go?
1: Yeah, so uh, if you have a business or a business owner, just signing up is the best way to get involved. It's free, so that's a good way. We have a separate Slack channel where we post a lot of events and news and things that um, members can just get involved with, whether it's lending their voice to some letter that we're sending to the government or um, actually speaking to the media about what they're seeing within their own community. And that's at eachandevery.org, I think. Is- Yes. Is
2: that right? That's our Yes.
1: Yeah. And then other than that, it's just that it comes back down to people. You know, we mm. want to see our communities thrive and um we want to look after one another. And this is just one of many ways to do it. So and also that you're not alone. Like we have over 121. 121 businesses Habiba told us this interview (laughs) that are involved and I think one of the scary things can be if a business is coming out on their own in somewhere rural saying this is what I believe it can be very scary so to know that there is this movement behind you and we will not let you face anything alone Mm
0: -hmm. okay Habiba
2: and just to add on to, like, if people want to want to know more about harm reduction and all its forms on the website, we have a section that says resources, you can scroll down and see another section that says Muse. And we linked important articles that kind of explain what harm reduction and safe consumption sites are, and if they ever want to reach out that we have. Um, I think we have like a contact us page yeah. and you can contact contact us and we can send you infographics, um, research right. articles, yeah. whole bunch of stuff that basically explains what harm reduction is and the benefits of safe consumption sites. Yeah, contact
1: yeah. us where, within your city or your town, we're just going through
0: all of that. Yeah. Okay. Um and I think one thing I just wanna wanna emphasize, if that's okay, is the the businesses that you guys are, are bringing in, um, you you don't have to be within spitting distance of a supervised consumption site in order to be a part of each and every. You just have to want to support the the ideas of um, harm reduction. Is that a safe statement?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. We know that within the COVID world and maybe before and after, <laughs> that there's going to be a ton of businesses that don't even have brick and mortar locations, but it's more so if you believe in something, and this falls in alignment with you. Please sign up. Um, the more voices we have, especially here in Alberta, just given what's going on with our province, uh, the more power we have and the more ability we have to change the narrative that's been put out there that's very incorrect.
0: Okay. I guess, I guess the question that I, I'm, I'm going to be tempted to start asking businesses in my area is why, why aren't you supporting each and every uh, <laughs> yes. Because... Question them. Make them give you an answer. <laughs> well, I, 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 like I said, I'm having a real hard time seeing a downside to to a business. Again, I go back to the whole. I mean, I always go back to Nike because they, when when they pivot, everybody notices. Um, yeah. But there's there's no shortage of major corporations that have gone. Oh, we don't we don't want to be misconstrued as as being on the the wrong side of this thing yeah. and. I, I find myself wondering why a business wouldn't support the work that you guys are doing. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's a question people need to start asking businesses in their areas too. I um, like
1: everyone ask every time.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <not>? um, <clears throat> the, so we talked about your website. Do you guys have, does each and every have social media? Um, what work, work, what, I, I believe the kids say it. What are your socials? Is that, is that right?
2: I don't think so. Uh, maybe it's just the kids I'm hanging out with. We don't say it. We're just like, what's your, what's your Twitter? What's your Instagram? We just say it. But um, um, our Instagram. Nice. <laughs> our Thank Instagram you for
0: making view, me feel slightly less old with that one.
2: <laughs> it's okay. We're all learning. It's a learning process. <laughs> Okay, Um, for myself. Uh, (laughs) So our Instagram is at underscore each and every, and our Twitter is the same as well. And LinkedIn, we're going to start kind of creating a presence on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, and profiling the businesses that are uh, signed up with us. So it'll be easier for people to know hey, that company is part of each and every. If you don't see their little sticker in the doorway, um, like I said, not everyone has brick and mortar anymore, um, but we will start featuring more and more of these businesses. Yes. So. Is is
2: there a yeah. list? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, on our list. website, we have um, um, each business divided by province. So, and once you click on their logo, it takes you to their website where you can call, email, or find an address um, and kind of just like you know, say hi, order something, support them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Awesome okay is there anything else either of you would like to to
2: add people are dying let's let's do something about it yeah i feel like that's that's as much as that's how i want to sum it up we have to do something because everyone feels like oh like you know it's their fault and um we have a section on our not on our website, but when people sign up, they they have the option to tell us why they're joining. And it's just so moving to hear the stories of, of people just being affected by this. And it's it could be a brother, a mother, and it's always um, one thing that I find in common from those stories is that they just either wanted to try it once or it was a fatal supply where, like, like what Nate said, like people are doing the Breaking Bad kind of trope. And that's usually how people do overdose, and it's so preventable. And that's, I think, what's so frustrating is that we can reverse this drug poisoning crisis, and it just, it just starts by supporting people and advocating for, um, for policies that do, that do that.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I couldn't say it any better. It's that we're in this together. Mm-hmm. We'll succeed together, and success needs to. Needs to include taking care of the most vulnerable in our society and putting them first.
0: Awesome. I just realized um, what, what is your business, Shanika?
1: My company is called Bessie. <laughs> um, it's B E S S I E, also known as Bessie Box. Uh, we work with local farmers and fishermen to deliver their naturally raised product directly to consumers doors we serve calgary and the edmonton area it's been fun
0: <laughs> cool. and we
1: get to work with some cool people so yeah
0: very good well it would be it would be as as i just finished saying that people should support businesses that uh are, are part of each and every it would be negligent of me to not ask where do people go to learn about yours
1: uh, it's just bessiebox.com um on all of our socials we're at get bessie Box, yep, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. We're definitely very spicy on Twitter. So, <laughs> our values that we hold uh, so near and dear are very public there. So, we're always happy to have any conversation about anything um, regarding each and every. Uh, if you just want to talk about food or food insecurity, we are there to have those talks. So, yeah. We can reach out.
0: Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to to chat and, and dispel some of the myths that exist around harm reduction and supervised consumption sites. And particularly like I, I I am so grateful that there is an organization that literally flies in the face of the notion that businesses don't support harm reduction because that's one of them one of the tropes that gets rolled out all the time. And uh, to To be able to to say, Well, that's actually really not true. Uh, I think is is super, super good. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. It was awesome.
0: And that's it for another episode of The Breakdown. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here, we'd ask you to please consider to sign up to be one of our uh, Patreon supporters at our Patreon site at www.patreon.com slash the breakdown uh, And if you uh, are listening to the audio version of this podcast, we'd also ask you to leave a rating and a review because that helps us get the podcast into the ears of more people. As always, we want to say a big thank you to our current Patreon supporters. Uh, And we also want to say thank you to everybody who is just listening to this episode today because it's, it's a privilege that you're choosing to spend your time listening to what we're trying to do here. So thank you.